McNulty stunning for anyone to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, for Bobby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, scores yes. for Bobby. Smashes it past McCormack. Won by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bobby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce and Matt Corrick. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Bobby fans, and welcome to the PO Forecast episode 35. Well, it's absolute crashing disappointment as our season is now over. Pompey out against Sunderland in the semi-finals of the playoff. Still have not got that elusive playoff win in the club's history. Bitter disappointment, but we have a show for you guys tonight. Um, so joining me, it's not just the one guest I've managed to get four of the Pompey News Now writers along to do the show today and we're going to do a very special episode. It's going to be the season finale. We're going to be doing a roundup of the season, what's gone on so far. Um, so what we're going to do is going to get straight into it. So introducing my first guest, Pompey News Now writer, Freddie Webb. Freddie, how's how are you go- mate? How's it going? You're right. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I'm still cripplingly disappointed about the playoff games. My God. Um, if if you told me at the beginning of the season they would play like they did against Peterborough, Peterborough away, that was the, probably the best Portsmouth performance of the season. Yeah. Playing the same sort of football as well. I've seen people criticise Jackets football, but against Peterborough, it was direct football with a purpose, direct attacking football that actually worked. And compared that to the to both playoff games, it was inept to say the least. I don't know what everybody else thinks about it, but uh, it was gutting to me personally. I've got to say, personally, I think it was just unlucky, though. The second leg we sh- should have scored four. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McLaughlin made an ex- excellent point, Black like, say, from the header. He made another couple of good saves as well. But Yeah, exactly. But And, you know, if Evans puts that in just before half-time, it's a different game completely, isn't it? So I think, yeah, I think, I think you have to look at it as a whole through both legs. And in that second leg... The second half, we didn't offer enough for what the fans wanted in that game. It was just, it just seemed like we we just petered out towards the end. I think that's the most disappointing thing for me, anyway. Just the way we just kind of faded out the game a little bit at the end. Yeah, no. well, Jacket went back to his usual, trusting the the system that he set out and the players we have, and for the majority of the season, that's worked. Basically, for long stretches of time, picking the same eleven playing the same way, depending on who, not depending on who the opposition are. And it just didn't work. I'm still waiting for that third substitution now, let alone when, when the game was actually on. No, it was, it was, it was, in my opinion, it was a performance that we will sort of went out at the end with, with a bit of a whimper in that second half. Um, it could have been a case that we had that one sub left and you just think Kenny Jacket, take off a defender, you know, push Matt Clark forward, throw everyone, throw, you know, caution to the wind. I'll give him a red ball. Anything, anything like that, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Um, yeah, well, that's the uh, that's the voice you're just hearing there of at walks this way, Greg. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Welcome. Yeah, uh, good to be welcome back. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna pretty much go with everyone else here. I'm disappointed. I mean, I I couldn't tell this because I didn't actually research this, but I'm pretty sure that it's the first time we played back to back games without scoring for 180 minutes. Um, if anyone knows the top of the head, feel free, but I'm pretty sure that was. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest issue, well, not issue, the problem for me was that makes it sting a little bit more is we played Sunderland five times and we only lost once. And that's the difference between being at Wembley again and, uh, yeah, third-tier football again. For me, that was the team it's I wanted in the playoffs. Hundred yeah. percent. I didn't. I saw Doncaster as a banana skin, and I saw 
the way Charlton, Charlton played against Charlton. Portsmouth twice this season and beating us. Sunderland, if we I had think... to be in the playoffs, Sunderland was my pick. To, I, 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 can, I, I, I can agree with that as well because we, I can't remember us beating Doncaster in my lifetime and <laughs> supported Pompey for a long time and Doncaster wouldn't have been ideal. I think, I think the only Doncaster, nah. the only time I remember Pompey beating Doncaster was um, back in the championship. When four we were, three. When we were, yes. Yeah, that 4-3 game I was <laughs> there when, yeah. when Kitson elbowed the goalkeeper for free. That, that, was, that was a pretty <laughs> crazy <laughs> game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The, I have to say, I think... In some ways, it would have maybe been better if Peterborough had got into the playoffs mm. and we played them, possibly. But as I said in the, the podcast before the, the playoff semi-final, it's frustration, isn't it? And it's just... Mm. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. Out of context, it's a good it? season, isn't it? Very good yeah, season. Yeah, I mean... Out of context, if, if still... You would have said to me, check a trade. I, you know, I know people have their opinions on that and, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Um, but it's still silverware. It's still a trip to Wembley. It was a great time for a lot of people, you know, bring their kids to Wembley and everything else. And it's still nice to have that, you know, that, those 90 minutes, or albeit in this case, two hours at Wembley. And sure, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, the most common denominator I've seen from opinion is down to Ben Thompson going Um I, I think that did impact, but I think Close has really stepped up. And he, I don't know what you guys think about this. Uh, he's played he's exceptionally well in the second half. The, the box for me. Well. He's giving Naylor a chance to sit back and protect the rear guards. <clears throat> now, as we've seen, he's got like the, the six problem goals. is it took time for Pompey to adjust, didn't it? To adjust yeah, from absolutely. playing with, with Thompson and playing with Close. And I think me and Hugh spoke about that. Uh, in the last podcast, that indeed, indeed we did. This is that's the voice of uh, Poppy News now, writer Rob Cusack. Yeah, hi guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, before we get into it, Rob, what's your take? My hot take is that next season, Pompey are going to win the league by six or seven points. Love it. <laughs> I like this hot take. I, think I do love it, but uh, like at the moment, I would love to wait until the summer's over before making that sort of take, but there we are. I mean, I'm more than prepared for, you know, I've put my neck on the line. I'm more than, more than prepared for it to be cut off well, when we when we lose our first six games and we uh, end well, up in a relegation fight. Well, Rob, <laughs> what's going to happen, mate, is someone's going to come along and steal your news and then publish it as their own, like some of the Pompey writers <laughs> do, which we'll get into in a bit. Well, um, exactly. Yeah, just introducing the last person on the show, returning again, Sam Stone. All right, thanks for having me back on, Hugh. Um, my take, I'm going to go a little bit more positive, try and avoid the, the, the playoff work, like, avoid the playoffs. Um, today, the uh, Kenny Jacket came out and said about the uh, the budget uh, for this season, looking forward for in the summer, said it's going to be similar budget to what we had last season. I was just wondering what people's takes were on that, because for me, I feel we need a little bit of a little bit more of a financial kind of push, not a ridiculous amount, but just a little bit more to make us a little bit stronger next season, depending on mm. what players we lose and which players come in. He did also say uh, when he was talking about that, the budget's the same, mm. but, Around the same. but that he same. said that he would be allowed to spend the transfer fees, any transfer fees that come in, or at least he ex- expects that to be the case. So so we're thinking about the Mac, the Mac Clark money there. Mac, realistically. Oh, and possibly Jamal, Jamal Lowe money, money as well. So, yeah. so the, the problem I've got with that is we're looking to improve the team. So I would, improving the team would be, you know, keeping Clark and Lowe and building on that. It's going to take a, well, the budget, if, if we get that Clark and Lowe money, he's going to have to reinvest it very well to improve the team after losing those two kind of calibre of players. No. I agree, Sam. I agree. And, w- and what I'm going to say, Sam, is I really appreciate you building on my point because um, I think you were talking a little bit about Andrew Moon. He also came out today and it was in the in the news. Um, and he said he spoke to Kenny Jacket, who confirmed the budget would not be um, increased, the playing budget, except transfer funds would be put back into the club um, and be made available for himself. We knew that already. Me and Andy spoke to <laughs> Mark Catlin before the Coventry game. Um Go back and listen to the podcast if you guys are listening or it's on YouTube. Just search uh, Mark Catlin, Pompey News Now. Um, and he said to us, you know, if we don't go up, Kenny Jacket has maxed out the budget for next season. He said, in his opinion, quite rightfully, and he thinks he's spent well. OK, but 
if there's money to be spent, it will have to come from players in and out. So is that is that sort of as Sam was saying, guys, addition by subtraction? And would that actually um, help us get promoted next season? Um, I'm going to go with this. Um, okay, I'm going to put my neck on the line now. I'm not as set in stone as everyone is. No pun intended, Sam. Um, <laughs> um, that Clark and I were going. Um, I know Clark's been a bit coy about it. But I'm not entirely convinced. I mean, I know he's championship football player. I know he's 22, coming on 23. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know as well because we've got to look at the fee. He's on his last year. Now, we've got a way up. Uh, well, not we. Kathleen, the Eisens, everyone's got a way up. Financial ramifications of risking losing him on a free next summer. As we did with Stevens. Yeah, that can't again. happen again. Yeah. <laughs> I think if against. you to sell him, you have to sell him now. This yeah, summer. Yeah. If, 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 if he doesn't want to stay. Yeah, but then... we're not gonna get we're not gonna get our trousers pulled down over the money. And I'm not entirely convinced that people are gonna um maybe they're not gonna make the the decent offer. That's a good point. Um, I think point. I, I'm just saying this because I've been hearing since January last season from so many people, oh he's going. Oh, no, he's not going. He's just signed a contract. He signed a contract, so we've got more money. Oh, we're not gone up. Oh, he's definitely going. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I might be wrong. I hope I'm not. But, you know, I think he's he's an actual born leader, definitely coming up at least. Um, I'm wondering whether the captaincy is going to change, whether that would be an incentive, perhaps. That, so I think that'll honestly say... depend how much Brett Pittman plays next season. Or I, think, yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't agree with a striker being a, a captain, and I never have. I've never agreed with that. Why is that? school that we can agree on, Greg, I think. Be- because, because you've got to look at the ground covered. And the simple fact of the matter is, I know Pittman covers a bit more ground under his new role, but you, have to, you need someone that's in the middle of the park. To me, a defensive midfielder, Tom Naylor's position, for me, if you said to me, who, what position would you pick? For me, it would be Tom Naylor's position as defensive midfield, with that sort of box-to-box, you can get backwards, get forward. Whereas Pittman, if Pittman's up for a corner and we get sucker-punched on the counter-attack, you've got a defender that's there that's stayed back. Greg, hate, hate, hate to break this to you, mate, but Pittman is now a midfielder. But what, what, what I'm saying... He doesn't track back as much as uh, another one would, for example. Well, I mean, I, 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 I understand, but I, I, I've got to say, mate, going forward, it's, it's the person who leads the team out, the person that people will follow on the pitch. I think it can be any outfield player myself. You know, I've got no problem with Harry Kane captaining England, for instance. I, I personally just think that it's the right person and the, the, the person that the team will follow out onto the field and, and believe in and trust in and, you know, be motivated by. It doesn't matter if they're a left back or a, you know, or a centre forward. But, um, yeah. Okay, guys. So everyone's done a bit introduction. So let's just go through some some general news that people have been talking about. Um, we're starting at the fact that Luke McGee apparently he was at one point touted to go to Peterborough for a hundred k. Although actually at the moment it looks like Peterborough have come out and said they were interested. They're now not interested. They're moving on to new things. But this does start a little bit of a debate. Really, do we need a new number two keeper? Is Alex Bass re- ready to back up Craig McGilvery? I think I think he is, but uh, you worry. The worry is he's. Uh, he's I don't know would, how old would you, he is. Would exactly. you stunt his potential only, by only mentioning for a season? Yeah, it's an issue, isn't it? I think Luke McGee. He worked really hard in the first first season. We we're in League One. I thought, and I thought he was a decent enough keeper at that level. But if we are going to progress and get into the championship, I don't think he is of that level. And I think Alex Bass is obviously up and coming. He obviously has a lot of potential. That um, I think he is probably ready to move into that number two spot. And I also think that if we didn't put him in that number two spot, he might be looking to leave. So he could get game time and stuff. Yeah, I, I could see that completely. I think even for him, even if he drops down to non-league, if, you, if you've got the ability to play first-team football in any sort of league in goal, then someone of his age and of his potential, someone will pick him up eventually if Portsmouth don't play him. 
I think especially that, as oh. the goalkeeper is such a specialist position, isn't it? And you only ever yeah. have one on the pitch at any one time. So yeah. it's difficult. Issue. I think I think if there's an opportunity to to move McGee out, I'd I'd look at it. Um, if we can get a fee for him, free up a bit of the wage bill as well to maybe consolidation exactly. Yeah, if we can free up the wage bill and then potentially bring in well, either have Alex Bass or bring in a, another keeper on a free who's just going to be happy to sit behind McGilvery on and not too good like high wages and maybe free up the wage bill for a more crucial area because realistically goalkeeper has been hasn't been an issue for us this season no so a, new t- a topic yeah. breaking on that is uh peter duran the forgotten young goalkeeper that we scouted from italy um the czech goalkeeper made his under 18s debut uh the other day i believe it's his debut anyway um in a one-all draw of the czech republic is he ready to be the third keeper if alex bass goes into the number two slot Honestly, I think he'd I... have to be an academy goalkeeper, really, wouldn't he? That would be the the main role that he would do. I I, I honestly have no idea. I've never seen him play. I've never even heard him, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I have. I've watched some of the academy games. but And, and he, he looks all right, mate, to be honest. But what I'm trying to say really is, if we don't have Craig McGivery in goal, if he gets injured or, God forbid, anything else happens, are you guys comfortable having two such young goalkeepers backing him up? I think with with as I was saying, I'd, I'd probably look into like Chelsea have done. They've got Robert Green, haven't they? They've, they've said to him, right, you can sit on the bench for a season and just in case of go, if in case our keeper Green ends up, be. yeah, we I'd look to be able to look to get a, an older keeper who's just happy to sit on the bench and if he need if needs be, because realistically keepers don't get injured too often, and we just have the fingers crossed that McGilvery wouldn't get injured. I, I, that's, that would be my that would be my personal personal preference. It works well in League Two with uh, I think it was Brian Murphy. Yeah, it'd be being the second choice back then. Bring him back. Nah. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I don't think he'd be League One standard nowadays because he's got an even older. He must be in his late thirties. Would be one I'd bring back, David Ford. Yeah. Always had a th- tough You spot. think with a with a more experienced goalkeeper as well? Not only can they can they sit on the bench, they can also mentor and tutor yeah, the younger goalkeepers yeah, exactly. as well which is which is invaluable especially in a position like as a goalkeeper because if you make a mistake it's probably a goal okay and so just, just for, to for a young keeper that could knock their confidence and stuff so, so just just to summarize this then guys because we're going around a bit here i'm going to say bring in an experienced keeper or alex bass as number two next season sam yeah that's what i'd yeah probably the experienced keeper that's the route experience i'd go down. keeper greg uh, either an experienced keeper or bring in a goalkeeping coach specialist to, to tutor. Because don't forget, McGilvery's only 26 himself, so he's still quite young as well. Rob? I think I probably agree with Greg there. That Although I, I'd probably favour a goalkeeping coach because I, I feel like it's maybe worth taking a risk, I think. Uh because Alex Bass is a good keeper, we know he is. And if anyone has seen him play for for Torquay, I think it was he was out on loan most recently. Um, he is a good quality shot stopper, commands his area fairly well. So I think if you needed him to come in for a couple of games, I think he would be able to cope with that. Mm-hmm. Freddie, I I think either of those things. Um... You could have Alex Bass as the number two, or if you can find an experienced goalkeeper on a free transfer with lower ranges, maybe with a bit of experience as well, I'd happily take either of those as a does subkeeper. It, does, it, does anyone favour bringing Luke McGee back? If Luke McGee wants to stay, then I'd happily keep him as the number yeah, two. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a good League One keeper, but that's, I think that's the issue because he could play in League One. For sure. As as we know, Simon Eastwood yeah. is starting for Oxford, so yeah. there's, hope, there's hope for McGee. He's a good keeper. Oh, oh Christ, don't remind me about Simon Eastwood. That that brings back far too many memories of that League One team. Far too many. Me? I, I wanna yeah. I wanna see um I wanna see Alex Bass develop. It's time now. Um I think that as a goalkeeper, he's got the ability to play a bit. And I just think that if he's not playing a lot that can stump a keeper's development. But let's be honest, it's a bit of the thing about being a goalkeeper. You have to bide your time and you get an opportunity 
um, and you play because it has to happen sooner or later. So unless we think Alex Bass is going to replace Craig McGivery as the number one, there's no point having him if we're not going to play him on the bench. I'm sure you can, I'm sure Alex Bass will play in most cup games next season if you have him as the number two. He'll yeah. probably play in all the Czech trade trophy games and the League Cup games, and depending on how seriously Jacket takes the FA Cup again. So moving on now. Moving on, Pompey. Um, it was reported that Viv Solomon Otterbar was offered a one-year contract by Birmingham, who we all know are in absolute financial disarray at the moment. He hasn't signed the contract that's been given to them. Um, and Kenny Jacket has been tapping him up via the press. He's a really talented player. You could see his talent. Perhaps he's at the start of his journey, and we'd love to help him build on that. Uh, I do think with a short space of time, Viv can make progress to be a good player. He has potential there. He's definitely not the finished article, but that's where we start with players and managers. He added, it's where we are bringing in players from underneath and developing them. Similarly, we don't want them to take too long to develop and can come on pretty quickly. Now, do we first of all, do we want Viv Solomon to bar back? And secondly... Does that say a lot about our transfer strategy for the summer, Sam? Uh, I'd be a hundred. I just—it's funny enough. I literally just tweeted that as I saw the news come up. I would be a hundred percent for having him back. Um, when you look at the likes of Jamal Lowe, how he's come on coming through non-league. I remember Jamal Lowe's first game, and it was like a, you know, a chicken in the headlights kind of thing. He was all over the place. But now look at him—he's he's so composed in the ball. And I think Otterbor has just as much talent as Jamal Lowe. So. I'd be 100% for having him back, especially on a free, get him on a free uh, uh, from Birmingham so he didn't sign the contract. Um, I remember him against Barnsley um, when they played at our place and he, their, their right back didn't know what to do. He won the penalty. Um, so, yeah, obviously he's kind of, he's clearly not the finished product after what happened against Peterborough, but I feel he's got a little bit of unnecessary stick and people saying that they wouldn't have him back and, I can't really, I don't really get it because I do think he can develop a lot. Um, and I think Jacket is the right man to do that. He's clearly got the, but he, he can see he can develop a player. So that's what I'd be looking That's That's my opinion on it. I feel like I wouldn't want to have it back. So I feel like there's two opposite opinions. I appreciate he's a young player or he hasn't, he's not an experienced player. He's 23. So he's not that young in the grand scheme of things. He, 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 to me anyway, he looked like he was petrified playing at Fratton Park, um, especially in his first couple of games and in the Sunderland game. Uh, he, to me, he always made the wrong decision with the pass or when to cross the ball. He didn't get his head up enough. Um, and I think that whilst, yes, there is potential there, I don't think that it's worth taking a risk necessarily on a player like that. Um, a, on a free though, on a free makes it a bit easier to to justify. But if there was any sort of fee involved, I wouldn't want uh, Pompey to pay pay that to have him. There's think, no fee involved. He's he's out of contract. He's um, yeah, amazing I think, developed. I just think he was a bit of a rabbit in the headlights, a bit of a headless chicken. I know they're horrible cliches to use, but I think the best way to describe him really. I think I just think he's not at the sort of level that we need if we're going to progress, I don't think. I think the only thing that concerns me is I don't think he fits the system as well as Jamal Lowe and Ronan Curtis. I saw Viv in the in the, in the Accrington, Accrington game, probably the worst game to use as a case study, but I'll go with it anyway. For me, Solomon Otter was an out-and-out winger. He's very good at crossing, very good at, ta- at taking on the fullback, but he doesn't like cutting inside like Curtis or Lowe do. To, to have shots into the far corner and doesn't like linking up play with the camp very much. So for me, uh, as a, 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 if Jacket wants to buy him on a free as a, a, as a depth piece at left wing, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't be entirely opposed to it. But I think there's better. I think there's a, there are players better suited to the system Great. that Jacket plays. So Interesting. Okay. Great. So, yeah, for me... Um... I, I agree on both points. I can see the pros and the cons. Um, I think he's definitely got potential. I, I actually tweeted earlier myself, funnily enough. I know he is a little bit older, as pointed out, but he has got the potential. He kind of, like with Jamal Lowe at the start, when he first came to us, um, and he kind of reminds me a bit of Kyle Bennett, where he's got the skills, but he hasn't got the finishing product. 
Um, I think, to be honest with you, um, this is absolutely not a knock on Kenny's management style, but I do feel he does need to give more minutes in things like the Checker Trade Trophy um, as much as possible, you know, and as it was tweeted a lot, I did feel a little bit sad for the younger kids that got them there and not one of them made an appearance, you know. Well, in the final. Um, yeah. I feel like if uh, we ha- weren't playing Sunderland and we were playing Berry in the final, I think... Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm not knocking in for that. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. just like, it's a little sad for them. But um, yeah, I think on a three, he would definitely be a good uh, business uh, acquisition, personally. Yeah. Um, given some good tutoring and some good tr- teaching, I'm sure Lowe and Curtis between them. And even Pittman can help a little bit with the old finishing and stuff. Um, yeah, and I agree. Fee, no transfer. Uh, free transfer, yes. Definitely. I mean, if it's just for 20 minutes in the occasional game just to freshen legs. He's got potential. I mean, my thoughts are, I'm, I'm actually more in Sam's camp on this. I think that if you, if you look at how he's played and, you know, you look at how he played against Barnsley, he did cut back inside well. Um, he cut back inside with the penalty, cut back inside, didn't finish the goal at the other end where he probably could have lifted it or um, curled it around the keeper's legs. But again, the keeper comes out, makes he's a good big. He's, he's, a, he's probably the best keeper in the league. He makes, yeah. he makes saves from all the time. So you can... Sure. It was a great save. It was a great save. But what I want to say is that Curtis isn't really a natural left winger either, is he? He's not really played. You know, when I spoke to um, Simon Collins from the Derry Journal um, about Ronan Curtis, he said, mate, he's a number 10 or he's a striker. But he could play on the left side if you have to play him on the wing. I think that's kind of what Freddie said, isn't it? Curtis fits the system more than he does the position. I don't think he does fit the system, mate. Because the fact fact is that we don't have any natural uh, width on the the left-hand side unless uh, Lee Brown actually gets forward on the overlap. It was quite obvious in the Sunderland game, in my opinion, without Lee Brown playing on that left side as well, the lack of width we had down that left meant that Catamol pretty much drifted out and sat on Jamal Lowe for the whole game on the right. Mm. I, 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 I genuinely think that there's a, there's a real place in this team to have someone with some natural width who can get balls into the box, especially if you're trying to get the balls onto the head of a, a striker who, you know, for what the coaching staff perceive especially as someone who's going to score with his head or I set up with his head. Another thing is... Yeah. I know this may sound a little bit like FIFA, but you, he his pace is is electric, and and if you can if Jacket can get the best out of that, it's a real asset, and especially the way he plays. I I know you mentioned the kind of fit in the style, but if you look at Kenny Jacket's Wolves team that got a hundred points in League One a few years ago, they were ba- they had they were based on having quick sharp wingers who played similar to how we do, but a little bit more clinical um, and kind of like using the whip as Hugh said and I I just feel that he's definitely definitely worth a punt just to see if he could develop and if he doesn't it was a free transfer anyway and he'll just move on I I think one of the the biggest issues in January sorry I think one of the biggest issues there though with potentially signing someone not a is if we get a better striker in if we get a better striker in I can see Ottobor fitting the system and kind of adding more, I guess. Surely we've got to get a better striker in, though. <laughs> yeah, that is the issue, though, isn't it? So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna come to that, lads. Maybe it's the first building block. Yeah. Going into that now, we spoke about a couple of potential addings. Um, where do you think, and we'll go around again, Sam, where do you think we should... Strengthen first. I'll give you three positions and just just let me know where you think we should go. Well, obviously, it, whether it, I'm going say... to say assuming Clark goes. Okay, right. So assuming Clark goes, I'd definitely say centre half. Probably one centre half, good quality centre half. So I know we've been linked with. I know Lockyer might not happen now, but someone of like a Curtis Nelson or someone like that um, mm-hmm. as a priority, and then maybe one backup. I'd probably, and then it would be a striker for me. I feel that we've been completely lacklustre in that area this season, and it has cost us. And when I look at the league, that League One table, and I'm going down to teams like Bristol Rovers and seeing strikers that I think are better than what we've got, and I think it, considering what we've got up front, I feel that 
and the position we finished in with the points we've got, I think it's remarkable. No, I agree. And I think that it's one of those things, isn't it, mate? And there are there are strikers out there, as you said. And we'll come on to people that we think could be a striker. I think some people on Twitter seem to think we can get someone like Tom Eves from Peterborough, which I think is very far-fetched. I think he's going to, if we got Gilliam. promoted... Gillingham, Gillingham, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Gillingham. Do you know what? I wrote that down wrong on my notes originally, and you corrected me on it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, th- that's, <clears throat> that's the sort of thing that people seem to be you know, aiming for. But... There are more realistic options out there. Sam, is there anyone in particular you think we should be going for? Um, it, it's hard because I, I, I tend to look at League One and Two because obviously in the Championship you don't know what the wages are going to be. Obviously, Tom Eves is the kind kind of striker I'd like you'd look at to fit the system. Um, I don't think he. We, I don't think we'll get it. I know he's out of contract, um, and rumours are going around that he'll only go to a Championship club if he leaves. Um, Maybe looking at like a, a Christian Doidge, I've always been a fan of for Forest Green. He's always yeah. scored, he's always scored goals. Um, James Norwood as well. I watched that Tranmere game against him, and, and I've, he just works his socks off up front. And I feel that is something we've been lacking massively up front because a lot of the time Hawkins doesn't believe he's going to actually get there to kind of work hard and get a mate and like challenge mm-hmm. their back four a little bit more. So yeah, Norwood would be one for me. Doidge and some of that kind of Eves ilk, obviously. I'm always a, I'm a big fan of John Marquis as well um, for Doncaster, but I just don't think that's a realistic one. Big money, big yeah, money that would be. And yeah. Also, he wasn't that great when he played for us. You, no, you no, just think you might yeah. you might have the Pompey curse when he comes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he reverts the player that he was when he was here. I think Curtis Nelson, the centre back for Oxford, is a good shout. Um, I've actually heard rumours from various sources that that could be something that. Pompey have already discussed of Oxford, I know, before. I know Sunderland made a bid for him, didn't they, in January that was unsuccessful. He started, um, he's played every single minute of every game for Oxford this season. He's a good player. He's yeah, we'll be known from the Plymouth days, don't we? So. Yeah, yeah. He's good player. Just so, a slightly left field uh, option. Well, well um, one sec, mate. We're gonna get we're gonna get round to you, mate. I'm gonna have you're gonna have your piece, definitely. Oh, right, great, okay. great, right, great, go, great. go for it, mate. What do you reckon we should do? Uh, okay, so first of all, we'll go with defence. Uh, whether Matt Clark stays or goes, we need another centre-back because at the, at the moment, obviously, with what, what might have been our um, substantial amount of time, we're effectively operating and have been since the injury with two set out-and-out centre-backs. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, now Watmore is out. Yeah, and, you know, and it, it is absolutely nothing on Watmore, but he's he's been so unlucky with the injuries like he doesn't get a, a brew chin or something. He always bless him. He always gets the hard injuries. Um, now I know um, Waltz can play there because he's very versatile. But again, we need we need natural centre back. Um, maybe looking at someone a little bit older. Um, I am not entirely sure who would be a good option off the top of my head. But maybe someone a little bit older. Um, that as we said before, with the old coaching thing, can give the guys some tips and stuff. And help them out a bit because you know, as we know, Matt Clark's still if he's staying, he's still young. Watmar also Burgess isn't like that old, you know, from 26, 27, something like that. Yeah. Um yeah, um yeah, striker or let Pittman go back to his role again. Um because to be honest with you, um I, I don't know the ins and outs of what happened and why he got dropped for so long. Um, but he's def- definitely capable of it uh, for playing that role. And if that is the case of that, looking for a natural attacking midfielder to sit behind him or who, whomever the striker is that can play up to the strengths of the incoming. I mean, Bogle started so well. Um, and I even said to you, Hugh, I believe, I think he could be the difference. You know, he had these two yeah. goals, first two halves he played, and he was like two goals and four, and then it trailed off uh, for whatever reason. Um, the the I'm, the trickery thing he was doing, I didn't like that, and a lot of people slammed him for that. With this whole, why are you running with the ball and trying to do tricks if you're being closed down yeah. past the ball? And I think that put and and I did notice I was watching it when he done it is it puts people like Close and Naylor and Curtis and Lowe in difficult positions because they're not sure where they need to go because he's faffing around with the ball 
they're like, okay, is he going to pass forward? Is he going to pass backwards? You know, um, and he had such promise at the start. Um, but yeah, an out and out striker. I think we need a cliche 25, 30 goal a season. Uh, if Jackie doesn't believe Pittman can do it, he needs to get someone that can. Yeah, and and I, I... definitely a, a left midfielder, maybe a natural left midfielder, like you was discussing before, like a true out and out. Because if we get <coughs> left midfielder, left winger that was true to that position maybe Curtis could move like you said to the more middle role I mean you could, could you yeah. imagine Curtis <laughs> in front of Pittman or vice versa with a no, decent I, wing support he that could be good. can play there he definitely can play there I mean he's played there for Ireland he's played um, throughout the ages in fact and he's played there for club and he's only really played on the left because we haven't had a natural left player that's exactly. why he, that's, that's why he I'm comes saying. in that's why he comes and cuts inside so often and I, th- I do think it's important when we look at other left wingers for instance that we don't use that as a standard for what a left winger should be but Rob mate you've got some ideas haven't you who do you reckon we should be looking to get yeah so obviously if we're focusing on the the two probably key positions of center back and uh, sent forward. Um, I know this might be a slightly old stat. It was tweeted on April the fifteenth, but the player that had won the most aerial duels in League One was uh, playing for Shrewsbury. Uh, Luke Waterfall, centre back, mm. used to play for Lincoln. I like the I'm name. Not, I'm not sure <laughs> on contract situation or any of that, but I think. I have, you know, I have seen him play a couple of times, and he's always looked solid when he was playing at Lincoln. Uh, he's come up from non-league and is now an established, you know, football league player. He, uh, how old is he? Sorry, he's twenty-eight years old. Um, so he is a little bit older than you know a Matt Clark, a Christian Burgess, uh, and I think he could possibly be an option, uh, as well as maybe Curtis Nelson. Obviously, we've spoken about. Uh, Tom Lockyer has been been spoken about as well. Um, and then in this same stat that was tweeted again on April 15th, so it might be a little bit out of date, uh, in terms of forwards that have won the most aerial duels, just behind Ollie Hawkins is um, Armand Nanyale, I think it is. He used to play for Chesterfield. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm, quite yeah. sure where he is now. Uh, but he is a a bigger, stronger striker than Ollie Hawkins. Um, bigger in the way that he's he's more stocky. Um, and they could be potential options. Um, I know, obviously, you've spoken about needing a 25, 30-goal season striker, but the problem with that is they cost a lot of money at whatever level it's at. Um, and if Clark leaves and we have to reinvest some of that money back into getting a good quality league one centre half then how much does that leave to invest in a centre forward or a left winger which I guess if you look at it and think Jacket obviously knows this but if he's going to get Viv on a free to fill that left left wing position and he knows Clark is leaving um, to I if he is going to go, I think it would probably be go, going to Brighton. It's been talked uh, about. Think, it's been talked about, yeah. Graham Potter was watching... Him at Swansea, the, yeah. But Graham Potter was watching the second leg as well, and he is now Brighton manager, or he almost is. I, th- I can't remember the exact details. Um, but how much money does that leave to fill the centre-forward role? I think if you want to fully replace Matt Clark, I don't think it leaves a lot left. Because for me... And that's the problem, isn't it? I'm not too sure on that, actually. If you think about the centre-halves that are out of contract on frees, Curtis Nelson's on a free, uh, Tafazoli's on a free, Lockie's on a free. Jordan Wills is one of them, or Willis is one of them, I like at commentary. He's out of contract as well. I don't necessarily... I think they're all good enough stand they could all step up and replace Clark. Yeah. Pretty. I think the way... um, I think that the thing that Portsmouth will miss most when Matt Clark leaves, yeah. I think probably Bird, uh, the way Watmore and Clark played together, I think that was the best centre-half partnership I can remember seeing since Campbell and Distan in terms of mm. ball-playing centre-halves. Absolutely. And I, I can't see, if Matt Clark goes, who, could, who can 
pass the ball like Matt Clark can or go on those driving runs forward so Tom Naylor drops in deep behind him. I can't see a centre-back who can do that. So I think you either have to try and replace him in such a way where you get the closest mould to Matt Clark or you have to change it up and just go for a no-nonsense large and live centre-half. I think the one player who I noticed was on a free, I'm not sure if he's good nowadays, but I've but I know he's had hundreds of games behind him. Is Mark Beavers from Bolton? I think ex, he's ex, the, ex Millwall as well. I think he's off to Peterborough. Is he? Mm. Yeah, I think they they might have already got him. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it, boys? And I think the fact is, though, I think there are lots of good options out there um, at centre back as well. The thing is, though, is that yes, Matt Clark is brilliant at bringing the ball out, and he's brilliant at you know passing the ball out. But if we could just change the way we play and the level that we get the ball from defence, bring it to draw a player, which doesn't take a huge amount of talent, if I'm honest, and lay the ball off to Ben Close and stop playing the ball over the top of the midfield, I think that would be an improvement even without Matt Clark in the side. I'm just assuming that Kenny Jacket will be a bit stubborn and keep to that system, even if we don't have the players to fully appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Because, because think about think about the amount of times and the squad depth we have now. People are forgetting the squad depth that Portsmouth actually have. Well, we have Bryn Morris who can come in at centre half. Who, who, when he played for Shrewsbury when they nearly got promoted, he was an excellent part of passing centre half, a centre midfielder. Andy Cannon as well could potentially play number ten. Lewis Dennis could potentially play number ten, and they both sure. have playmaking skills themselves. But uh, Kenny Jacket doesn't seem to trust those players. They were benched in key games they didn't come on so I'm just assuming that the remit will stay the same so whenever I think of a player coming in for Portsmouth in the summer they will have to fit the team at its current state without changing the tactic at all okay so onto that remit then let's have a thing I'm just going to rattle off a couple of names see what people think about it just some you know and I will at some point write this up as an article um you guys have all contributed to bits as well um, what about Jack Payne? He played for Bradford last season on loan from Huddersfield. He's released. He'll be on a free transfer. I'd take him. I, no, I, I don't know a lot about him, honestly. Yeah, I haven't seen. I, I haven't seen him enough to to really have an opinion. But if he fits I, the the mould that Jacket wants, I I do trust Jacket's recruitment. Uh, it's just. How hamstrung is he going to be by Hello? by the budget? And that is that is the issue, isn't it? Yeah. I, I've seen Jack Payne. I saw I've seen him play a few times. I went up to Bradford this year. Um, also saw him play when we lost three 0 at Oxford at the beginning of last season, and he he was very good then. Uh, he ran the show. But having seen him this season, obviously in a very poor Bradford side, I'm, I wouldn't be too sure. And would he actually fit that system? Um, I'm not too sure because I know he's quite small. Um, and I, it might be a, it might work, but I, I think there's better options out there, and especially having Louis Dennis sat on the bench, which I think has been an absolute travesty for the whole season. Um, sitting on the bench with his potential. So we all know that um, I was, we were talking about this before in in group chat, and you know I fell asleep. I was having a nap basically one day, <laughs> and I woke up and I realised that I thought we'd side Leroy Fair from Swansea on a free transfer. I'll take it. <laughs> I mean. I just feel like we need a little bit of Dutch stability at the club, and you know, when you're an international footballer who's playing in the Premier League, maybe we can um, we can sign him up. What about Gary Hooper? I think his wages would be quite high, which is an issue. I think they would be too high, honestly. From yeah, Sheffield Wednesday, as you can't, you know, you got you can't be too uh, too like I want this wage. You know, you still need to find work. Um, who was it who mentioned got... Josh Feller from Bolton? Uh, might be me, I think. Might have been me. Speaking of Bolton, there's there's one player who played really well in League One, didn't play so so well in the Championship this season, but uh, Erhan Ostimer, who ex Warsaw, who plays as a centre attacking player, player. Um, a very very technical player who who links play from the midfield and the striker very well. I would happily take him. As, a, cool. as, a, as a, if you want a sentiment attacking midfielder, that is, but we oh, might have those options already. Went to Walsall last season, and Anton 
it was probably Anton Walk's best game. He played in CDM and he marked him out the game. But he's a very talented player. Um, very tiny, but, um, but he's he's strong on the ball. A bit like it's a low centre of gravity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to read up a couple of more names, then we'll move on. Uh, one I thought about was, um, and I'm going to try and get this name right, okay? But I'm not sure if I can get it right. So what well, on loan from Wolves to Coventry this season? I thought he looked good for Coventry. Uh, Bright Enobake. Anabaka, Anabaka, Anabakari. There you go, yeah. mate. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I thought he looked good. He's um he's got a fairly decent goal scoring record and assists for the small amount of games he played whilst coming in on loan. He can play central attacking midfield. He can play left or right midfield. He's quick. Um, obviously he's got that Wolves connection uh, with Kenny Jacket. I think there that is an option. Possibly a slightly uh, a less Sorry, obvious option. Um, but again, as I said, even if there are players that I'm not too sure about that I haven't seen, say, I trust what Jack is doing and I trust his his paid scouts. You know, we're not paid to, to scout to uh, scout players. And I think yeah. I think in, in both summer windows, Jacket's done very well. And I know people yeah. go back to you both January, time, Jan- you? both January windows being a complete wreck. But J- January's all over the place for most clubs. Really, yeah, really. So if if those players are good or not. Sees that you know that you will get your pants pulled down on. That if you wait four months, you get them for nothing. That's why January's always a, a horror show for transfers. I mean, I think that's most important more than anything. Having like-for-like players, um, like, you know, two goalkeepers, four centre-backs, two left-backs, two right-backs, and so on. Um, the, the loan thing, I'm a little... Sometimes I feel like you shouldn't have too many loan players because you got obviously, you don't want a repeat of Thompson, but the contracts, the clauses, can they be pulled back? Will they settle in the squad? I mean, to be fair, in Jacket's defence, this is his first full season in charge because when he took over by Cook, how many weeks of the transfer had gone? The first couple, you know? I think. It was yeah. Two or yeah. Three. And and so. how critical is that? You know, when when you've got like two weeks at the at the summer flurry of transfers. And um I think he's recruited well. I mean, yeah, people are going, oh, this player and that player, but even the best clubs, you know, the best managers make faux pas with transfers. Bryn Morris has been, in my opinion, exceptionally harshly treated online. The guy costs 15000 Something silly. He's definitely got potential, um, I think. But £15,000, you know, that's nothing, is it? Let's be honest. Mm. It's less than a decent car. And he had a really <laughs> he's got good potential. I mean, no, I don't mean to compare him to a car. Um and I think I think Jacket and I agree. Uh, sorry, I don't know who actually said it about the transferring, like the scouts. The scouts have done good, I think. Um, but a player like, for example, Marquise, we said he was absolute dog poop for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He 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 just needed a couple of seasons. Down and yeah. Lee too. Some good proper seasons behind him. When I saw him from Portsmouth, he he, he was reasonable, but he just hadn't had the game time then. Yeah, okay, so. maybe the dog poop was a bit harsh, but <laughs> um, certainly wasn't one that I would think in a few years' time I'd be saying, "Oh, I wish he hadn't left, or wish he was, came back, or whatever." Well, the but same he, thing happened to Jaden Stockley, if you remember. I thought yeah, Jaden Stockley yeah. was. Yeah, I, I didn't think he was the best striker for Portsmouth, but he got the game time at Exeter City, and he got yeah. his move. I think that's the that, I think that's the thing. It's game time. If you look at all these players that we're mentioning, they're they've getting game time under their belts, and that's why they're performing. And if we the players that we've obviously, I feel that Morris has been really like harshly treated as well. And if you give them, if they get that run in the team, you don't, you no one knows how good they could become or how bad they're going to be. So and they just need to be given a chance as well. You also think with a full pre-season behind them exactly. with with the rest of the squad could really help. Yeah. What was it that said about um one of his teammates said that Curtis Main could cut it in the, the championship. And if you'd seen him play for Pompey in League Two, you would have thought, what is this guy on? Like, <laughs> I'll have some, please. Because in League Two, Curtis Main was like a 
a bit of he a struggled, job, didn't he? A bit he of a job in striker, like yeah. you know, if you he might score five or six goals a season for you, but nothing really more than that. And then he's gone to Motherwell, and I don't know if it says something about the quality of Scottish football or or how his game has developed, but he's their top scorer, I think, and he basically got them to the the Scottish Cup final. Um, and it's it goes back to having gang time, doesn't it? And yeah. you have to you have to let players develop in some ways. You can't you can't buy a pre-made title winning squad. It has to unless maybe you're Man City, but it, <laughs> it, Sorry. You, have to, you have to let it develop. Um, and I think you do sometimes have to take a punt on on these players, uh, like I guess possibly Ottobor or Morris and Cannon. I don't really think you can really give a full judgment on them because they've both been out with injuries, Cannon and Morris, and they haven't really. They've played a handful of games between them. They haven't had a run in the team, a consistent team. Lads, lads, just to to, um, sort of get a little bit back on track as such, looking at the the teams who have come down, okay, do you feel that any of those teams are a threat to us next season? Because Bolton are looking at at a a potential points um, drop-off for next season. I think it's 12 points. Yeah, so Bolton... At least, yeah. It, okay, might, so... it might go up, though, might it? I think. Okay, so Bolton know, have got... it's fixed. Bolton have a, a minimum, then, of 12 points um, deducted from them. Rotherham, I don't think they look great at all. I for, me, I've... for me, they're a yo-yo team. I think I, they could I... probably do very, quite well in League One and be around the playoff and the, the, the top, to, top well six. I, I do think they'll do well next year. Um, you think they'll challenge the title? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, having seen them, I've... On uh, Twitter and stuff, I kind of scroll through a load of different teams and the general consensus is that this Rotherham team that went up this time round performed well in the championship. It shows the level of the championship, but they they all seem to be behind their manager. There was no real disappointment going down because they've they were fighting right to the very end. To stay. I think it was the penultimate game they went down. So they've been fighting right to the very end to stay, stay in that division, which is incredibly tough. If you look at Paul Cook's Wigan team that, absolutely stormed the league last year they're finishing around 18th 19th spot so yeah it it shows it shows the standard of that league and I I generally feel if because Rotherham will come down as a unit that have all played together in the championship and I think they will be a threat next year with Michael Smith up front as well (laughs) (laughs) it's another one isn't it I think Rotherham yeah will be the the hardest of the the teams but this goes back into my hot take at the start that I can see, I think Pompey will win the league if we if we recruit properly. Um, those three that came down, I don't think you're going to have anywhere near the same challenge as this season with Barnsley and Luton both on uh, ninety points. With and then three of the playoff teams being two points away from ninety points. And also think of the investments as well from those teams and the amount exactly, of money. That, yeah. that, that, it, it, I know Sunderland cut a lot of money in their in their wage bill and so on, but they compared to any other team in the division, they were light years in front of in terms of wages, think, weren't they? And they still have a parachute payments from the Premier League. Precisely. Well. Parachute payments, have they? Um, not, well, that, uh, not, not that I know of. Bol- Bolton might have, but that, that would have all disappeared. So. Yeah, but the Bolton thing was confirmed two weeks ago. It's what they, uh, last week, it's a 12-point deduction. I checked it. It's 100% guaranteed. Um, I mean, yeah, that definitely starts them off on a bad foot, but 12 points is 12 points. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another, another thing that might need to be taken... To... Go, Sam. Oh, sorry. I think another thing that might need to be taken into consideration is who goes up from the playoff final. Because yeah, this is how I, this is how this is how I see it. I'm kind of thinking with my heart on my head here. My heart wants Sunderland to have a horrendous day out at Wembley. However, <laughs> my, head, my head is thinking that if they go, if they if they remain in League One, I, I get the parachute payments thing. They pro, I don't know if they get it next year, but the no. They will still have that. They they will have that investment. They're a big club, and they will go all out to win that league. Come I, I, next year. Sam, Sam, I agree, and I will just put this out here, people, that Sunderland will have new investment 
in the summer. But yeah, because okay, I know I, I'm saying that they will have new investment in the summer. Um, if, if, oh, sorry, with the Charlton, no. if, Charlton, if Charlton stayed down, I don't think they will be the same team next year, given the fact that their youth, the, the players, I know Joe Rebo is he's out of contract. They're likely to lose these players. So, and they've got a lot of loan signings as well. So I don't think Charlton will be the same force next year. No, I agree. Lee Bowyer, I don't think he's, I don't think they've sourced a new contract for him, have they? Yeah, I, I, that's what, I, well, it's all up in the air. So I, considering... They've got ownership that, issues, haven't they? He, he's done a remarkable job considering what's going on at Charlton. This is so, all feeding back into my prediction. That's all. There you go, Rob. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> half is opening. We just have to actually find a way to get through it. We've, we've had, we've had who's, who's going down then, boys? But the teams who are coming up, I know the um, the final, the playoffs, I don't believe we can in League Two, but what do you think of the teams coming up from League Two? Are any of them a threat? You know, Obviously, Luton came straight up, you know, and did well. Do we have any team out of those lot we think they could potentially push us? I don't know why, just buried something about it. I don't know. If there's anything particular, but there's something about aren't, Barry that makes aren't think Barry they're going to do good. They are, yeah. yeah. They've, they've but, had to set up a food bank or something for their unpaid staff, I believe, as well. They're they're in a horrible state financially. And oh. they, had a, they had a winding up order against them, I think yeah. it was last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, it's yeah. been postponed, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been adjourned, but still, the, the fact they're in that situation... Just uh, just talking quickly about winding up orders, etc. I did say I'd mention this. Um, the guys from the Bolton Supporters Trust, etc., got in touch with us, and um, we're going to put out a link on the Pompey News Now page, and also I said I shout them out on the Pompey um, on the podcast. So basically, as we all know, Bolton have plummeted back down into League One. Uh, they can't pay the staff. They set up food banks, etc., to pay the staff. Obviously, everyone thinks football clubs are full of mega star players, but people are still there to sell the tickets, etc., programs, work in the ground, cook your burgers. Um, and these people have all gone um, completely unpaid for quite a while now. So we'll stick up a link there. We're all a football family. If you can chuck them a quid or so. I know Preston fans have already thrown them 500 quid, which is nice of them. But um, yeah, if we can throw a, f- a pound in there. We all know what it's like to be in a situation. So uh, yeah, be appreciated. Um, okay, so Lincoln, etc. They're a decent team. Somehow they've managed to con- they've convinced their fans to come back to the grounds because they, they weren't originally. And they've, they've got behind Danny Cowley. If they can keep him as manager... Do we think they can do a link a Luton? No, I think they play very good. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, they play to their strengths. Matt Reed is a horrible player to play against. Yeah, because he he chucks an elbow in, he you know he pushes you over, all of that sort of thing. He's kind of what you want Hawkins to be in some mm. ways. Um, and I think they massively play to their strengths. Another player about who plays for Lincoln is Bruno Andrade, who's been linked with Pompey. Mm. Um, he, he is a really key player for them. If they keep hold of him and they they add right, I can see them with an upwards momentum. They've been in and around the playoffs in League Two the last couple of seasons. They finally come up. They've won the league. Obviously, Danny Cowley uh, and his brother have taken them up from non-league as well, back into League One. I think there's an upward momentum upwards momentum sorry about them that could see them maybe challenging the top half uh possibly in the playoffs um and they put john mckinney uh legends uh, more, more exports of legends yeah. oh. i don't know if kinday's there he is, is he, he's yeah, still there uh, yeah. Right. yeah so they've they got call it, they call him lord akinde over there <laughs> they've got two players of the same mold of the massive six foot plus really stocky center centre forward sorry who you know they line up against you you know exactly what you're going to come up against and a lot of teams in League 2 couldn't deal with it and I think if we played our style of hoofball slightly better this year maybe we would have been saying that we wouldn't have had to deal with any of these potential problems because we'd be in the championship now but right what I'm going to say boys is is that we're pretty much, pretty much coming up to time where I can actually still edit the podcast. That's taking an absolute mission. So 
what I'm going to say is that this is the last episode of the season of which we're going to do a weekly roundup. However, people, we will be back, well, intermittently um, across the summer. You know, any sort of big news, if we actually sign any of these players that we've talked about, then, you know, we'll be back on our, our dinner podcast with some of the lads here um, to keep you up to date with all the pumping news that you guys want. But, um, yeah, everyone, it's been an absolute blast having you on. I think it's actually worked having everyone here. So, you know, cheers, Rob. Thank you. Greg, cheers. Thanks, Paul. Sam, cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Freddie, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. And until next time, play at Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.